This is the Command Your Brand podcast, where we talk to world changers, visionaries, and founders, people that are doing big things and changing this planet in a positive way. We're learning their stories, techniques, and exactly what you need to know so that you can do things in a big way. The time is now. Get ready to take command of your brand. Hey, what is up, everybody? Jeremy here. And guys, I'm very excited for today's guest because... You know, it's funny because I was just talking to this guest about the power of intuition and making the right decisions and following a lot of what we know to be right. And our guest today is Emily Pereira. And in her 20s, she had what she thought was the dream life, but it really wasn't fulfilling her and wasn't answering all those needs. And she went on a quest to find out what that was going to be. And now she is creating an incredible life for herself and really helping others to benefit from a lot of the experience she's had. Emily, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Oh, thank you so much, Jeremy. It's truly an honor to be here. So I want to know first and foremost, because as I alluded to in the intro, you seem to have it all together in your 20s, like everything everybody works for, the thing we're all told we want. You got there and just it, something wasn't right about it. So tell me a little bit about that experience and kind of, you know, what was happening for you there and, and what made you decide like, you know what, I'm just going to go for something else. Yeah. Well, so my 20s was in the early 2000s, right? So before the boom of the internet, where we didn't Mm -hmm. have information that we have at our fingertips back then. And so I just, you know, graduated college and sort of just went on the track that was sort of laid out for me, Mm -hmm. following sort of the messages that I had received from my family, from my teachers, from the white space of culture, from Sex in the City, which is what I was And so by the time I reached my late 20s, it was like, okay, I have the career. I was, you know, a hotshot salesperson for a top Fortune 100 company. I had a home on the beach with my boyfriend who of six years, who Mm -hmm. was one of the original MySpace founders. And, you know, I had a closet full of designer clothes that I wore to parties, events, and vacations. And for as good as it sounded, you know, we were escaping this so-called perfect life every weekend with partying until the sun came up. Mm. So not exactly the sign of people that are truly happy. and fulfilled. It's interesting though, because I think a lot of people get to that point, right? Like you realized it. a lot of people don't realize it. They get to this point and they think this is just what you do. And then eventually, you know, they feel the unhappiness with themselves. They feel the unhappiness with the marriage. They feel the unhappiness with their children. And it just, that's kind of the rest of the way life goes, but you, you found something different. So tell me about that. Well, actually I wasn't in a place where I could admit that to myself back then that something big was missing. Sure. All the externals were so intact and I was getting- Well, yeah, that's definitely, that's a process to work towards. It's not something you know, but like, you know, you kind of just step one foot in the right direction and and follow that intuition towards it. I did, but it, it was spurred by- devastating heartbreak. Mm. So right around the time I thought I was going to be getting in the ring, I found out that my boyfriend cheated on me and I went into a very dark place because I had, oh my gosh. you know, so much of my identity was derived from this relationship. And, you know, now looking back on this 14 years later, I can very easily say that was the greatest gift of my entire life. But at the time it was so incredibly devastating. And it's really quite interesting because we have these moments that are really challenging, whether it's heartbreak or financial ruin or illness. And we mm-hmm. think 
like the end. And really what I have found is that that's when there's this like invisible portal that sort of opens to this whole other life, which is what I call the quest. And so- You know, it's interesting, Emily, and you may or may not know this about me, but in 2012, my mom had a really bad stroke. She's still with us, but she's like permanently disabled, hasn't been able to work since 2012. And at that time, I was teaching in a private school. I thought it was everything I wanted. You know, I had the 401k, I had all that stuff, and I was working 90 hours a week. And I just wasn't very happy doing it when she had the stroke. It made me look at everything I was doing and go find something else. Like I didn't know what it was right away, but I did find something else. So it was a horrible situation, but I'd be doing nothing I'm doing now had that event not happened to me. So I agree with you. Like it can be a devastating event, but there's something to be found in that. That's a learning if we can find it. Absolutely. And so it sent me on this incredible journey. And, you know, really how I define the quest is that it is this epic journey to find the jewel inside, which Mm -hmm. is the essential self, the self that knows exactly who you are, exactly why you're here, exactly what you want, and the steps that you need to take to get there. And so, you know, back in that other life, I was doing all the things that I thought would bring me happiness, but I had never really tuned in with me, with my heart. And so, Mm. in that, period, that season of just like real despair, I connected with a spiritual teacher, which, you know, back in those days, the guy may as well have been the freaking Easter bunny for, you know, there was no Instagram inspirational messages, none sure. of that. But I knew that I felt better in this man's presence. And over the next two years, I began to lift myself up with really intensive and immersive spiritual practices and teachings. And it was interesting because I was able to create a lot of the stuff of life again. I created a new, beautiful home, loving partner. I got an amazing dog. I was still just like crushing it at my job. And I started to wake up in the middle of the night with like searing anxiety. Mm. Just find the just like, and then, you know, I was like barely getting any sleep. I'd wake up the next morning, just like shrouded dark circles around my eyes. And this anxiety was just like, you know, relentlessly following me and demanded an answer, which was, when are you going to do something that really matters to you? Mm. And this was so unnerving because I'd been doing so many things. I'd been traveling the world. I did, you know, and I was like, oh gosh, that's what it's going to be. You know, that's what I have to answer. And so upon the advice of my teacher that knew me very well, and that was a clairvoyant, he was like, I see you're a writer. I see you have to write your story. Even if you show it to nobody, it's going to heal your heart. And so out of an act of desperation, I sat down to write. And and it was really upon the advice of my teacher that said, I didn't think I was a creative person. Okay. So Mm -hmm. let me just back up for a second. I hadn't written anything besides emails and I don't know, maybe the occasional thank you letter in 11 years. And I grew up, you know, I was the sporty one. I was the adventurous one, but it was not the creative one. Mm. And I told him, I was like, I think that gene skipped me because my dad's this incredible painter. And he was like, well, creativity is not a genetic thing. It's an energy that's a natural (laughs) part of being human. But you're freezing yourself out of this natural flow with this attempt to be perfect, which is programming that so many of us receive, especially women. And Mm -hmm. I didn't even know I was doing this. This is all in the conscious field. Sure. And he said, you know, you don't have to be perfect to participate. You just have to give yourself permission to be the beginner. The beginner isn't supposed to know anything, so the beginner can never fail. And I was like, when you say it like that, you know, it's so obvious. So 
Two years had passed since that conversation. And finally, I was in this moment of anxiety and desperation. And so I was willing to give it a try. And I was so amazed that by simply being the beginner and suspending judgment, the word started to flow. And I had a couple sentences and then a couple paragraphs. And before I knew it, I read a 600 page book. Wow. <laughs> it has been edited to 412 pages. <laughs> and it was pretty incredible because the writing was this like, catalytic converter. And it like, all of a sudden I started to play guitar and sing and write songs and paint paintings and dance burlesque and do improv. And it was just this like massive explosion of creative passion started to go off in my life. And for amazing as that was to just sort of like be in connection with inspiration mm -hmm. that created a cascade of spiritual changes of, you know, I didn't understand that the spiritual and the creative were so closely connected. Yeah. It's and a very like aesthetic type of thing, type of wave that, that to me makes total sense. The creative self is the essential self. It mm -hmm. is the spiritual self. And so, and I really found if we're not being creative, if we're not running this energy, it's like a part of us is dead inside and you're carrying around that dead body inside your body. And so, <laughs> you know, little things I started to notice. Oh, less were my thoughts. Oh, I need to do more of this. I'm not doing enough of this. What do these people have? What do I don't have? And they were just more of, that'd be a cool way to connect those chapters. Oh, I'm hearing a melody that I want to turn into a song. Oh, I like that color. Can I get that on a canvas? And it was like my nervous system just like, just really relaxed, reset. And, you know, as I kept taking these chances and like, giving myself permission to be the beginner and going through these doors of fear and finding myself intact on the other side, I, my belief in myself went up. And as my belief in myself, my competition with women went down. And this was so spectacular and so immediate. And I felt just a very amazing camaraderie with women that I'd never really felt before. And I really wanted to champion women. I wanted to connect with women. I wanted to work with women and also a very sincere compassion for women who are sort of still in that prison of perfection. Cause I'd been in that prison for the first 30 years of my life. Sure. And I knew my work would be around working with women. And it was also, you know, like I had still kind of been lugging around like a 12 piece luggage set of resentment for the ex-boyfriend and the ex-friends. But in those moments of inspiration, I felt connected to who I am, to why I'm here and resentment alchemized to gratitude. I knew I had to take those steps to get to this moment where there was no place I'd rather be. And so it was just like this. 50 pound ton was lifted off my shoulders. And, you know, the tagline of my book is from the Hollywood Hills to the Amazon jungle, one woman's search for enough. And it was really interesting because in that other life, it never felt quite felt like it was enough. But here mm -hmm. I was in totally different circumstances, less glamorous circumstances. And it felt like it was enough because I felt like I was enough. So it was just like this whole life transformation. And that was that first step, you know, like sitting down to write was that first step that now has led me here to Costa Rica, where I have created a retreat and wellness center on 11 acres, my life partner, our beautiful children, and really living life on my own terms. So that's how I got from that place to where I am right now. There's two things I want to unpack here because you said two really powerful things. You know, the first being, and I'm sure you wouldn't be surprised about this, but I've heard the number of authors I've heard this from, I've lost count of, is I think so many times people look at the end work of what is written and what it does for the reader. But the actual writing of the book is such a therapeutic process and an incredible transformation process for the person writing. I know even for myself, you know, I've been working on 
in a book for the last year and where I started and where I am now are different. It's changed, you know, the content I've created. It's changed the things I talk about. So I think even in itself, like actual writing, you know, whether you're going to write a book or not, like even just journaling for yourself is such a powerful practice that people just don't do. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy that you brought that up. I always say writing is like the master healer and it's mm-hmm. at all of our fingertips. And, you know, it's interesting. We have a goal and maybe that goal is to have a published book. Maybe that goal is to have a relationship. Maybe that goal is to have a certain business. But what I have really found is that goal is sort of like a signpost saying, mm-hmm. this is where we're going, but it's the quest that we take along the way to get there where all of the riches are, where the, you know, transformation happens, where the expansion happens. And in that place where we expand, the light comes in and it, feels so good. And the other point I really wanted to hit, because I think this is important too, is you mentioned your connection with a spiritual teacher. I think as a society overall, we've been taught to be, you know, less spiritual, in some ways, less religious, less connected. And I think it's finally starting to turn the other way now, which is a beautiful thing. But I think that spiritual self is ignored in a lot of ways. You know, you look at whether it's Christianity you get there, whether it's Judaism, whether it's some other spiritual practice, but that's been lost in a lot of ways. And kind of a lot of what people do and call religion has become very rote, right? It's become very practiced in a certain way rather than dressing yourself as a spiritual being, because that's really what we are. And that to me, that's a really, really powerful point you're making there. Yeah. And I think when we're on the beginning of our quests, it's so helpful to have somebody to shine the light on the path to, and in my experience, as a woman who finally got to a more expansive horizon where I do feel like I'm living rooted from this place of really knowing who I am, who my essential self is inside, the natural inclination is to reach out your hand and want to lift other women up Mm -hmm. by sharing what works. And so You know, I liken it sort of to like when people first want to start change, you know, kind of like being healthier, people talk a lot about intuitive eating and they say, just use your intuition. But if you're full of parasites, you don't have intuition yet. (laughs) Have another burger, you know, have go back to McDonald's. So that's not really steering in the right direction. And that's the same when we first sort of start trying to change our lives and make shifts. If we're using the information we've always used, we're not going to get very far. We're going to keep getting the same results. So it's really helpful to have somebody that's a few steps ahead of you on the path to shine the light. You know, speaking of parasites, I lived in Peru in 2015 for a little bit and I picked up something. I don't know what food I was eating. I don't know if it was the ceviche, what it is. I picked up something called a liver fluke. Oh, Oh, let me tell you, that was an interesting cleanse to get rid of that. And my body felt a whole lot different. So yes, it can also be related to how you're eating and things like that as well. But Emily, I want to bring us around to, you know, you were able to make a decision. You weren't quite there at first, but you worked your way there. You know, there's a lot of people and a lot of women out there that look at it and say, okay, well, you know, I have all these things and I don't want to lose these things, but I do want to address, you know, more of what I'm feeling. You know, what do you say to them and what do they do in that situation? Yeah, that's such a good question because sooner or later along the life path journey, especially if you're on a path of growth, you're going to get a tap on the shoulder. That's Mm -hmm. intuition coming along, tapping and saying, hey, there's something else for you. And when we think about making a leap, we think about it like it's a physical thing, right? Like, okay, you're going to leap and leap out of your job or you're going to leave a relationship or you're going to move to a new city or a new country. But the thing is, is there's a crucial step that comes before that that's absolutely necessary in order for you to make that happen. And that is mindset, right? And we hear about mindset all the time, that like mindset is the key to making any shifts. But 
it's kind of confusing. It's a little bit deceiving because mindset actually happens in the body. So, you know, when you think about the life path journey, you know, trauma, pain, whatever the case may be, that's all stored in the body. And so we need to go into the body and de-armor that energetic frequency that is giving you messages like, oh, I can't do that. That's too scary. That's out of my comfort zone. I'm going to lose everything. And so getting into the body, you know, this is the core of the work that I do with women is it's all about embodiment practices. So anything that's going to soothe the nervous system. So that can be Kundalini, like my favorites, Kundalini yoga, breath work, sensual dance, writing, surfing, but anything that soothes the nervous system and allows you to get into your body will help you tremendously because that's where intuition lives is in the body. And this is when you shift out of that static mindset into the more fluid mindset of the quest. Mm -hmm. So when I have a very difficult decision to make and I don't have clarity on it, it's like, I'll just go into like an ecstatic dance or I'll do something like that. And after that, it's like, Oh, bing! that's when you know, okay, this is what I'm here to do. And these are the steps I need to take to make it happen. You talk about dancing. I know it's not what you meant, but I always think of Grey's Anatomy when they would dance it out. That's exactly what I think of when you talk about that. <laughs> it's real medicine. You know, I come from a pharmaceutical background. Okay. Yeah. So that was the career that I had in my 20s and 30s. And, you know, we have gotten disconnected from this idea that there is so many different kinds of medicine. Medicine can be dance, medicine can be meditation, medicine can be writing, medicine can be surfing. And when we connect with these real medicines, when we harness these real medicines, that's when we're able to connect with the intuition and with the essential self. And I guess looking at that, we've been talking about a lot about here how we, you know, learn to love ourselves better, which I feel is really important. But at the same time, I feel like something a lot of people are chasing and sometimes they chase their whole life and never find it is, you know, the feeling of real love and they base it on, you know, the feeling others give them and how others treat them. But that's actually not how a lot of it is. And I guess when we're looking at it, like, how do we find and, and experience what we feel like is always out of our grasp in that way? Yeah, I have many different things that I do, but one of my favorite things to do is to help women call love into their lives. And the first thing, if you're somebody who's wanting to call that like really soulmate, amazing love into your life, the first thing is to understand that desire does not equate to lack. Okay. Desire is your compass, letting you know where you're headed. And if you understand that you sort of already won your game, but it's important to understand that if you're not getting that love from the external, from the outside world, that that's an access point to the quest, right? To mm -hmm. go forward. So then what you want to do is you want to start to give yourself permission. Like I was talking about, because permission allows us to access our passions. Okay. Permission to be the beginner allows you to access your passions. For me, I couldn't have told you one passion that I had until I was in my thirties. Okay. So it really is this magical sort of like key that unlocks our innate passions and your passion leads you to your purpose. Mm -hmm. So not only is somebody who's alight with their passions and their purpose, super sexy, but it allows you to have a little thing I love to call sovereignty. So sovereignty means you enjoy your own company. You are lit up by your own passions and your own creations in your own life. So what this allows you to do is hold that desire without any lack, which is a mm. super powerful combination for manifestation because desire is a wonderful thing. But when we hold it from that place of lack, 
like attracts like energy. And so it's very difficult to have a lacking vibrational frequency and call in an abundant soulmate love. So right. It's the idea of like, you know, you kind of get what you put your attention on, right? Like you put your attention on more negative or, or more lacking, you're going to get more of that. Is that in alignment with what you're saying? Exactly. I mean, we have something in our brains called the reticular activating system, and it's going to amplify whatever gets attention. So if you're telling that reticular activating system, if you're feeding it, I'm so lonely, nobody wants me, I need a man to come in and make my life okay, then the physical plane is going to show you more of that right? Mm -hmm. But you can get to that place where you're like, yes, I'm digging my life. I'm so excited. I'm, I can't wait to wake up and meet the day and you know, do all these different creations and, and put these things out into the world. It's a very different energetic frequency because it's a frequency of abundance. Mm. So abundance is going to call in abundance. So being able to really tap, you know, this is a big part of the work I do with women is helping them understand what lights them up inside. And then when you have that sovereignty, whoa, that's when you like ha have more, more people than you know what to do with more amazing people <laughs> coming into your life, not just men, but also women, opportunities, all sorts of things. Well, I guess looking at Emily, we've been talking a lot about, you know, the journey and, you know, the quest to, to arrive someplace, right. To arrive at a, at a different location. But let me ask you this. Do you feel like the quest itself is, is ever complete or is it something that's always ongoing for you? Oh, it's no, it's ongoing this lifetime and many to come. <laughs> yeah. But like I was saying, the riches are in the quest, mm -hmm. right? The journey is the destination. And, you know, so often we get so focused on a goal and a destination that we miss the right now. Mm -hmm. And the right now is really the only place that joy can exist. Absolutely. Well, Emily, I have like really enjoyed our conversation today. For people listening, where can they find out more about you and where can they find out more about your new book, The Quest? Yes. Well, my website, emilyperera.com. Also, I'm on Instagram at emily underscore begins in the spirit of being the beginner. You can get The Quest everywhere that books are sold, obviously on Amazon. And I wanted to just share as well with your listeners that I have a free offering for you if you would like. It's called The Goddess Cleanse. And I originally created The Goddess Cleanse for women that are part of my 10-week coaching container, The Quest for Love Academy. Because when it comes to calling in truly aligned soulmate love, three systems must be aligned and attuned. And that's the body, the mind, and the spirit. And so our culture, you know, is focused so much on the mind. And we know that the mindset's the key, as I was saying. But what doesn't get as much airtime is that the spirit and the mind follow the body. Mm -hmm. So until you can tune into your body, you're not going to make that much headway with the spirit and control that conversation with the mind. So this one-of-a-kind cleanse, it's seven days, and you have one delicious elixir for seven days, and it soothes the nervous system, clears internal blocks, and elevates your vibrational frequency. So this cleanse really has the power to heighten your intuition, your sensuality, your sense of passion and play. And I assure you, it is not going to deprive you of anything. And even if you aren't on the quest for love, I've heard from so many other people that have enjoyed this cleanse and have reported such incredible results. So you can get that at thegoddesscleanse.com if you like. Very cool. Well, Emily Pereira, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much, Jeremy.